0: And I had kind of a fun zambang start with a lot of fun, but I I do want to quickly pause because just in light of some of the events that just happened. So uh, if you haven't heard, there's a a shooting in El Paso uh, at a Walmart. There's also a shooting uh, just late last night, like at one in the morning in Dayton, Ohio. So at least close to 30 people dead, dozens more injured and uh, it's just, uh, I think it's something we need to be aware of and not pretend it didn't happen. And so I just want to pray for for the victims and the situation. So we'll do that first, then we'll jump into the message. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you now, and in some ways, just there's no words to describe or, or, or figure out what to say, uh, except that you know what went down in, in El Paso and, and Dayton and I pray, Father, right now for the the uh, victims of the crime and those dealing with, with a unexpected loss, Father. And I pray just like our benediction this morning that you are the comfort uh, in all our troubles and you give us the grace that we need. And And it's almost hard to describe, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just groan inside me and us today to, for even what to say about it. But I do pray about this, Father, as we go forward, I pray that everyone here green tree as a church, but also individually, that we would um, not add to the division and not uh, spread disunity, but we could be uh, voices of love and we could be uh, peacemakers and unifiers um, so we don't compound the problem. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so it's, it's kind of tough to go from that to what I originally planned. So if we can kind of shift gears and and if you, you recall from, from the famous movie, Sound of Music, there's a pivotal scene in which, uh, you see a picture there, there's a pivotal scene in which the family von Trapp, the von Trapp family singers who just won the Salzburg Music Festival, right they're the talk of the festival, and they just won another, trying to escape the Nazis, they're trying to sneak over to, to Switzerland, but they find themselves trapped in a monastery, they find themselves in amongst the tombs and the dead and the, you know, the, the mausoleum there and all that. And so they're trapped with no way out, except they, they have to kind of talk their way out. They have to escape by, by kind of uh, getting past Rolf. That crafty Rolf, and then also the help of the nuns to, to disable the, the, the engines of the Nazis. And they're able to, to sneak across and then actually drive, so they actually end up hiking over the mountains to Switzerland. That, that's a Hollywood version, and, and I bring it up, and by the way, if I ruin that movie for you, uh, it came out in 1965. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're, what you're waiting for. <laughs> Maybe coming out on Laserdisc soon, but... Um, and if you haven't seen Titanic, by the way, the ship sinks. So um, I'm trying to ruin that as well. But I am called up here to speak truth, so uh, that's what I'm going to do. But, but I bring it up. I'm glad we're able to smile because we're going to meet a guy today who himself was very much like Devon Traps. He was literally trapped almost in amongst the dead, amongst the tombs, and, and an outcast from society. He had no way out. He was a prisoner. He was just captive there. And, and he didn't escape by sweet-talking some guards or, or having help from auto mechanics, help from the nuns. He escaped by an encounter with Jesus Christ who freed him from his bondage and was able to help him escape. So that's kind of a, the, the, the set us up what we're gonna be looking at today. So if you don't mind, if you will open your Bibles, you have one, the good old-fashioned Gutenberg style uh, to Mark 5. Or if you're on more of the fancy phone thing, that's fine, too. One thing I ask about the phone is, if you don't mind, to please certainly turn off the ringer, but also put it on Do Not Disturb, because I really mean this. If you're in the middle of, of the sermon and you're trying to hear what God has to say and what's going on, you know, there's nothing where the bleep, all of a sudden, hey, were you watching the Cardinal game? You know, it can kind of really interrupt your vibe. And so I was just preaching just a couple months ago out at our, our, sister, our church plant, good old uh, River City out in St. Charles, And I'd just given this admonition to people, please read the Bible on your phone, that's fine, but you please do not disturb and kind of turn it off, that'd be great. And then sure enough, right in the middle of a climactic part of a story, I'm preaching all of a sudden I hear this. (sighs) And I tell you, if you ever wondered, is it possible to sin while you're preaching? It is, because I was. I got so mad. I was so ticked off. Like, you got to be kidding me. I am mean, like, I was, I was just fuming. I, I, I said, had I not said anything, okay, fine. But I made it very clear what you're, sp- And please, turn it off. And the weirdest part was no one was doing anything. No one's rushing to grab their phone. It just kept ringing. And I look over, and it's, it's in a backpack in the front row. And just, it's, I'm, just I'm, I'm like, what does no one do anything? And then I realized, well, it was my phone. <laughs> Loser. So... If they ever write a book called Great Moments in Laity Preaching, uh, that will not be a chapter. So uh, anyway, but <laughs> you don't mind, I do appreciate that. Now, I want to say before I actually start reading, uh, again, we're doing the season, this season, our, our session is all about in need of grace and his grace. and We're looking at how God was graceful to and showed grace to these, uh, the folks, you know, certainly the man in this story. But it's important to know a little geography because the text matters with the context. So there's a little uh, picture there of the Sea of Galilee. It's it's, really, it's a giant lake, but they call it the Sea of Galilee. And for you on the Western side was the the Hebrew, the Jewish, the Israel side. That's where the disciples are from. That's where they feel comfortable. It's where their customs are. It's all good. That's their home, that's their home space, right? They take a boat over the other side and pretty much where that yellow dot is, is where scholars think they they would have landed. It's hard to exactly pinpoint, but they think that's where it was. Now, this is Gentile country. This is different customs, different weird religions, disgusting animals, just the whole thing. The disciples were not feeling comfortable. It was not a good place for them. So like, why are we even going here, Jesus? Okay, you're in charge. That's kind of what's going on the back of their mind as, as they land here on the eastern shore. And so just keep that in the back of your mind. And then as I read through this, uh, it's the ESV version, it's a wonderful version, but there's a lot of he's and him's and pronouns. I'm gonna go ahead with your permission and a couple of times I'm gonna say Jesus instead of he or him, just so we know, hey, who's talking to who, what's happening here? So we'll go ahead and jump in there and let's look at Mark five, uh, verses one through 20. Of course, if you don't have it, you can certainly read it up behind me. So here we are. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerizines. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I abjure you by God. And by the way, abjure means to swear an oath against or solemnly reject. So fun little challenge. Try to use abjure in a sentence today just to try it out. It's really kind of fun. So uh, special challenge. All right. So I abjure you by God. Do not torment me. For Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man there, the one who had legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into, as he was getting in the boat, that's Jesus getting in the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might go with him. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he's had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Let's pray. Dear gracious heavenly father, we lift you up as always. You are the maker of all things you sustain all things and we ask that that as mighty and amazing as you are that that you be with us this morning and and help us to focus on what you have to say that whatever cares or thoughts we have on our minds whether it's this afternoon this week or family work whatever it might be lord help us to put those things aside and just for these next few minutes just really concentrate on what you want to say to us myself included and I pray also, Father, that I would not get in the way of what you want to say. That It's my words being said, but it's, it's through your inspiration. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So there is so much to unpack in this, this chapter. I mean, there's only 20 verses, but it's just so much to do. I asked Tom for special permission. He did say I could go the full two and a half hours. So um, like, ah, that's really funny. So. I say a joke every time, but it works, right, until you stop laughing. So, but no, we'll use our usual time, but if, with your permission, I will, instead of talking about there's so much to go into, I can't cover it all well, I'm going to focus on kind of three main areas, or three main aspects. We're going to talk about the pigs, the people, and the person, the guy who got changed. So the pigs, uh, the townspeople, and then the person. Before we jump into that, though, I just want to look at a couple things that that are important to, to keep in mind as we think about this kind of Amazing scene! If you hadn't been there, it would have been just awe-inspiring to see these pigs go do this uh, swan dive. But I don't know if they dove; they probably just bottled in. But but you have to remember one thing: think of the man, his condition. They cannot bind him by chains. He's just out of control. He is cutting himself. He's wailing at all hours. He is—he can't be around people. He's probably thrashing himself against rocks. It is just—he is a—if you think about a helpless person, a helpless soul. He is he's out of control. And think about, you ever had anybody in your life, I mean, think about, it, he's, he's basically a passenger in his own body. And, and so think about these demons. They would want nothing to do with Jesus, the son of the most high God. Why would, he, why would they ever want to kind of hang out with him? Can you ever think of a time in your life in which you were, there's someone maybe you just didn't get along with very well, or it was kind of like oil and water. And like, it wasn't a sworn enemy, but just maybe it just wasn't the best thing. And I'll think back to, for me, from middle school, there was a period when I was bullied, not the bully, but I was on the bullying receiving end by a guy named Steve, of all things. Maybe that's why the name isn't used anymore. But... um, I'm a child under Steve, uh, under five years old, and I'll give you a dollar. Uh, so it's just a dead name. It's fine. But this guy, Steve, when I saw him walking down, when I saw him kind of walking in the hallway, I would try to duck into like a, I'd try to duck into a, you know, a bathroom or, or, run. oh, I forgot something in the library. I didn't know what the library was, but I would just, I would try to just go, you know, find my way back there. And I just would avoid him. I think the, the demons would be the exact same way. They would want nothing to do. To, oh, let me hang out with my, the guy who's, you know, who I, I'm against every aspect but the fact that he ran up on and threw himself on his knees and actually recognized who Jesus was, son of the most high God, we can only conclude that was not him like, oh, I'm seeking. I'm curious. I have spiritual insights I'd like to know from this guy. He is completely helpless. God is the one doing the drawing. God is the one attracting him. God is the one pulling him towards himself And, and the initiator. God is the one making that happen. The second thing just it's worthy of note and not to spend too much time on, but he says his name is Legion. Now, many people think he just said Legion because at that time a Roman legion contained four thousand to six thousand soldiers. Okay, so so it doesn't mean there are four to six thousand demons inside this guy. Well, let's say it was a packed house. Okay, just there was a lot of there's a lot of <laughs> stuff going on in there, right? So it, it was pretty rough. And then the, the, you know the final part about it is, as you think about it, is is he's asking. They're asking for permission. The, the demons can't just go to wherever they want. They had to say, Hey Jesus, can we have permission? Can we have permission to go into those pigs? Just like the way, the way the devil had to go to God and say, can I have permission to torment Job? Can I, can I mess with your saint? And he had to get permission, like a permission slip from God to let that happen. So I think sometimes we give too much weight to the devil, and other times we give not enough. You know, there, there is a spiritual realm out there. But remember that God is, is in charge of everything. God's above it all. So it's not stuff happening, oh, you know, it, the, dang it, the devil did something I didn't want. You know, God is, is fully in charge of the whole thing. But notice real quickly, the, because there's three key questions that are asked here. In fact, there's three times in which, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they're asking, they're begging or asking uh, for Jesus to do something. And the first time is the demon-possessed guys, uh, the, the demon saying, hey, can we have permission to go to those pigs? And Jesus says, yes, I'll grant permission. So that sets us up now for the pigs, the person, the, the people, and the person. So, and let's, let's think about the pig thing here for a second. Uh, if you're like me, it, it seems like that was really unfair to the pigs, right? I mean, what are those pigs doing? They're just like minding their own business. You know, they're, they're doing their thing. Like, what, 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 what harm have we done? But to the disciples, I'm sure they're thinking like, oh, good riddance. Because they think these are disgusting animals. And like, oh, good, Jesus is cleaning up the place. But for us, you know, and, and by the way, they flashed a the picture up there. That is where scholars and, and, and uh, archaeologists think there's a good chance that that's a, the actual hill... Where the pigs ran down in fact so i think it's kind of cool when when you can look at what the bible says when you look at it in modern day and 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 do the research and find okay that was a real place and so they've been on the hillside and they ran all the way down and went into the water and of course overlooked the the telephone wires so probably not an accurate portrayal there (laughs) i'm just pretty sure the phone had not reached that part of the, the, the Middle East, anyway, but at that time. But more importantly, so, so the, but we think about pigs, it's like, they're, they're lovable, right? You think about maybe the pigs in our lives, you think of, you know, from, from literature, you got Wilbur from, from Charlotte's Web, you got Piglet, my daughter's favorite stuffed animal is Piglet. You have Babe from the movie Babe, doing all the sheep herding, right? That was very impressive, pretty impressive for a pig. And then, and of course, everyone's favorite, you got Piggly Wiggly, right? So, uh, of course, Porky Pig, but Piggly Wiggly, if you're not aware, it's a, it's a grocery chain in the South. My, my in-laws used to live in South Carolina, and I have to admit, there'd be times I'd try to find ways to use Piggly Wiggly in a sentence, because it just was fun, right? So I'd say, does um, anyone need anything from uh, Piggly Wiggly? You know, of course, I always said it like that, too, and they got mad. But um, it's just so much more fun than saying, go on to Schnook's. So... Uh, I'm, wrong with because I'm going to the pig. Come on, I'm going to Piggly Wiggly. It's going to be fun. Anyway, so so for us, pigs are no big deal, but but, just know for the disciples, it would have freaked them out. But more importantly, as I, in fact, I was thinking about this with my um, Connect group. So Quick commercial here, by the way. So I was a part of a, uh, just a semester-long group called the Connect Group, and that arose out of a survey we all did with you all saying, hey, Green Tree, what do you want? For, what, how can we be better? How can we serve you better? One of the things that came back loud and clear was we'd love other ways to get plugged in to get to know other people in the church. And not a huge year, you know, multi-year commitment, just can we kind of jump in for a semester? kind of test the water, and then maybe go another group another time. And so you're going to be getting an invitation pretty soon, just a couple weeks, for the, the upcoming fall round of Connect Groups. And I just can't recommend it highly enough. They, they meet at different times of the week, different times, morning, evening, noon, whatever. So so find the one that works for you and love to have, you have it happen. But that's the end of my commercial announcement. Back to your regularly scheduled program. So... <laughs> But, but our connect group had this. We had Mark 5 and we were, we were kind of wrestling with like It just seems so unfair. You know, why, would, why would this happen? This guy's livelihood. If you're kind of a, uh, if you're kind of a freedom-loving private property person, you know, that'd be, if that was my farm, I'd be kind of ticked off too, right? But, but to answer why did it happen, why these pigs have to have this thing go down, why did this go that way, I can't give you a happy, clean, simple answer. Here's why and make you maybe feel better. But I can offer two, two thoughts. One, the first thing was, as, as pigs, <laughs> um, Jesus wanted to show, he would just display his power and his might and just show how much authority he has and can you imagine seeing 2,000 pigs rushing down that hill? It would almost be like uh, the ground would have shook, almost like you see in, in Dances with Wolves or some of those movies, where they, show, they show a stampede of buffalo, and just brrr, the ground would shake. 2,000 pigs going down, just the might and the terror and the force in that. And then to have be people thinking, okay, that, that guy from the boat caused that or, or allowed that to happen, but more importantly, all that was wrapped up in this one, that crazy guy from the tombs? That, that, that would have been a, just an amazing display alone, just to say, God's saying, hey, here's some of my power. This is a sample of what I can do. I want to heal this guy. But I also want to show you the, 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 what was going on in there, and I just kind of let them go with the pig. So that's kind of one thought. But the other one is maybe more important is, is if you remember back from, from your science class, um, the term homeostasis, you know, which, uh, which means basically, I had to look it up, by the way, just to double check. Um, it's an internal Stability amongst a variety of elements, okay? So just these things are here. It's kind of a little bit of equilibrium. It's kind of the homeostasis. Not to be confused, by the way, with the hypostatic union of Christ, which I know Tom and, and, and Daryl are trying to get in a contest. So I'm going to join in. So that's my first mention. You're welcome. All right, so, uh, which I don't know what that is, by the way. But it's not important. So, but I will say this. So Jesus was, is not afraid to upset the apple cart. I mean, Jesus is not afraid to comment and, and shake things up. He's got to get people's attention. You remember when he cleansed the temple? He didn't walk into the temple and go, "Hey guys, uh, this whole thing with the money and the changing, I'm not really cool with it." So um, could you kind of stop? No, but he's up turning the tables. He's 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 lifting up. He's throwing. He's knocking over the money. He's, he's showing that you will not defile my God's my my father's house. This is not a, this is not cool. And same thing here. He's coming into the so these people. Their homeostasis is the okay, we're doing this pig thing and that's our livelihood and whatever. But he says, I have to get your attention. I gotta, I gotta somehow kind of get through and get you all t- to kind of wake up. And so he essentially is upturning their worlds as well. And he's basically, he took away, he took away their pig farm. Now, I, I was thinking about this. Can you imagine one of the herdsmen who had to go in and tell your tell the boss you know what happened? How oh, that would have been a fun conversation, right? So, how's everything in the fields today? Well, <laughs> kind of funny. Um, Remember those pigs that you had, have, had, have had, were? Um, They're gone. Uh, Anyway, what? You know, and I I don't believe it. He would have to run out and see for himself what happened. But I think what Jesus is doing here is he's saying to these people, I'm not afraid to upset the homeostasis in your life and what's going on. He's basically saying, "I, I I want your pig farm. Now, very clearly Jesus says to us, I want your if you're going to follow me, I want your mind, body, soul, strength, spirit. I want everything, and I want your pig farm. Now, in case someone is a real pig farmer here, is this possible in Missouri? I just want to say, you don't have to sell your pig farm. I just want to, if, you're, if you're a farmer of pigs, keep it up. That's fine. But for the rest of us, I think the analogy is he's saying, is there something in your life that has become more important than me? Is there some of your life that has taken, uh, taken root that is way more important up here? And I don't care if it's a relationship, if it's, a, some, if, if it's your money or your address, your, your income, your job, whatever, your kids. I mean, you can take a very good thing and we can elevate it up here such that it's really clouding out your, your walk, your, your faith with Jesus. He's saying, I, got, I want that. I, I need you. I, I don't just want part. I don't want 98% of you. I don't want 85%. I want 99.99. I want all of you. And so I think about it this morning. Everyone here has a pig farm. Everyone has some kind of pig farm in your life. And Jesus is saying, I, I want that. H- how either I-, I want it and or I want you to kind of put it in proper perspective than what had have been before. So hopefully next time you see, or it's Porky or Piglet or any of those, uh, just you can remember, uh, oh, where's my pig farm? You know, am I, uh, have I properly given that up as well? He wants everything. He doesn't want us to hold anything back. He doesn't want us like, my precious. You know, like this, that one thing we're holding on so tightly that we'll do anything to protect. He's saying, I want everything you got. And that includes the pig farm. Which brings us to our good friends, the people, the townspeople. And here's what I find fascinating about this, this chapter. So they go out and they're telling everybody, oh my gosh, you won't believe what happened to these pigs. And then this, remember the crazy guy from the tombs? He's now better. He seems normal. You know, they, they can't believe it. But they come rushing back. They come rushing past. It's almost like they see the guy, oh yeah, whatever. You know, he's sitting there in his right mind, just kind of hanging out. Maybe he's having a little, little beverage or something. Hey, how are you? Ishtar, what's up? You know, I don't know what their names are back then, but Ishtar seems good. And uh, they're chatting. And, and they're, what's amazing to me is how they, they look, they run right past the miracle. Here is the miracle of what happened to this guy. And like, what happened to the pigs? You, you, you took the pigs. Like, are you kidding me? Isn't it fair to assume there had been one of the townspeople, just one or maybe many, who probably had a sick kid at home, maybe uh, someone suffering from disease, maybe someone broke a leg on an ox cart accident. I mean, who knows? But they had some kind of healing that was needed. Instead of availing themselves of Jesus and, and his ability to heal and make them better, they just ran right past it and go straight to the, ah, you, you took this thing away from us. How could you do that? That's like they, they missed, and we were talking about this in our connect group, but like they, they, they're focusing on the wrong thing. They, they missed the miracle to focus on the monetary. They missed the miracle to focus on the momentary. They missed the miracle to focus on, the, I couldn't find another word, but wouldn't that be cool if I could have? So, um, but, they, but they, they, they're, they're focusing on all the wrong stuff. Instead of this amazing thing that was right there, the son of the most high God is right there, willing and happy and able to help heal them. And not just heal them physically, but heal them spiritually. Like I, I am, I'm on a mission here, folks. <laughs> you know, Jesus like, I'm here and I'm going to die for you. And I'm, I'm going to die for the sins that you've committed. And you're going to get full credit for what I've done if you will answer my call, if you will, if you will step up. And so, so the townspeople completely miss what's going on there. And, I, and then they, and here's what's interesting. They beg him, not just like, hey, they say, Jesus, would you please get out of here? We don't want any more. Maybe my farm's next. I don't know. Just, ugh, scary. You're freaking us out. Get out of here. And so Jesus here says again, sure, yes, I'll go. I'll leave. And so he's getting into his boat, which brings us now to our, to our third fellow, the, the, the field, field guy. So can you imagine how that guy, he woke up that morning if he even slept at all, and he was in his chain, or has chains on him, and he's, he's still trying to go crazy, and, and cutting himself, and wailing, and by the afternoon, or whenever this went down, he's now completely free of, of that torment, of that horrific life, of, of basically being a captive amongst the tombs, and he's, he's now freed up, and so naturally, what did he want to do? He says, Jesus, here in, in, in 19, or you know, 18, he says, I'm begging you, you know, can, can I, can I get in the boat with you? Can I go with you back to, uh, back to the other side? I want to follow you. And let's be honest, can you think of a more naturally pure prayer? I mean, Jesus, I want you and you only. I mean, we just heard a couple of weeks ago, remember when, when Jesus was calling his disciples, hey, come follow me, drop my nets and follow him. And this guy's trying to do the exact same thing. I want to follow you. I'd love to go. I, no, no agenda. I just, I want to be at your feet. I want to be around you and go with you. And Jesus says, um, no, I don't want you to come with me. So it doesn't say he was upset. doesn't say he was sad. But I got to think for just a moment, if he was begging to go with them, and then Jesus says, no, there had to have been a little part of him. Like, really? Seriously? I can't, I mean, I can't come along. But now let's, let's kind of think what Jesus knows right now. He says, I want you to go and tell your story amongst all the people in the Decapolis, which basically means 10 cities. You know, deca meaning 10, like decathlon. There's 10 cities in that area. I want you to go out and be my spokesman. I want you to go out and please just tell everybody what happened, what I did for you. And he would be pretty effective at it, because think about it. If Jesus said, hey, uh, Thomas, Peter, come on, here, buddies, I want you now to go uh, preach the gospel here amongst these heathen, disgusting people with all their weird animals. Go for it. Can you imagine them like, ha you know, they're trying to avoid pigs and not touch things and be unclean. It'd be be kind of a hard witness. They could do it, but it'd be a little more difficult. Here we have Jesus saying to this guy, I want you to go, I want you to tell people what I did. And can you imagine as he goes in and talks to people, especially his hometown. See, remember that crazy, weird, demon-possessed guy? That was me. That was you? Really? And he would imagine, he'd have scars all over his body, bruises, cuts, abrasions. I mean, he would have, basically his body would be essentially his testimony. This is what I was. This is what I was, and now I'm new. I've been renewed. And that's basically the same with us. I mean, we don't wear our scars and our gross stuff on the outside. It's, it's, it's in our hearts. It's in our minds. You know, a lot of the, most of the sin, Jesus was pretty clear, the locus of sin is, is in our hearts. It's not, it's not, it's, the actions are bad, but the whole thing starts in our hearts, and they're, they're, they're beyond help. They're beyond repair, except that he draws us to himself. So imagine that witness as he goes out and he says, hey, I was that guy, and look what Jesus has done for me. It'd be pretty amazing. I think back to when I, I spent a year in France, and I, uh, it was very nice, and um, <laughs> I was got to say that too, but I would get in these conversations with other students, and a lot of times we'd wind up kind of fighting and arguing about Christianity, and it's just was tough because I'd feel like I was put in a corner. They'd argue things very craftily of, you know, this part of the Bible doesn't match up with that, and what about this scientific thing here, and they would kind of hit me from all these different angles, and I oftentimes would have good answers, but a lot of times I'd, I'd, I got nothing, you know, I, I can't fully answer that. I like, I wish I went to seminary, you know, but but you know I I I don't have those answers, and there's nothing wrong. Those are actually good discussions to have, but boy, if I could maybe thought about and us going forward, what they can argue with us is what someone's done for me, what Jesus has done for me, you know. It's, I was I was living a certain way, I was had made horrific decisions, things I'm still embarrassed about. I just yeah, things that are just I was a, I was a you wouldn't like to see my mind, my heart was a cesspool. It was, just, it was bad, but Jesus came in. Completely transformed my life and completely changed it. Now you can argue all you want over here. You can't say what happened to me didn't happen. Like, you, you just can't. I think sometimes for us we get a little reluctant to want to share our faith, and, and I and I get that. But I think again, nothing wrong with over here the apologetic stuff, and let's do that. But also, whenever possible, say here what's going on. You know, it's, it's when, when I kind of have this this duality of if someone asks me, "Hey, Steve, can I like not be kind of cheery guy?" You know, why is that? I'm tempted to want to say, well, I have a safe answer and I have a real answer. The safe answer is I'm just an upbeat kind of, that's my disposition, genetics, whatever. You know, and that's kind of the safe answer. The real answer is I have been forgiven, redeemed, loved, and cherished by Jesus Christ. And my future is secure. That's a reason to smile. You know, I, that's, that's, that's a big driver. You know, so, so I think when, when you think about when Jesus says, I want you to go out. And he wants you to go to you know is there is there whether your neighborhood or work or whatever and get out there and make it happen in fact it's interesting there was I just read recently that uh, Penn Gillette, one of the two parts of penn and teller you know the he's an avowed atheist and, and you know very deep thinker but he said gosh christians if you're not if you're not evangelizing and proselytizing, then how much do you hate the people around you you know he said if, if, if you found this amazing awesome answer to the world if you're not telling people about it then w- what's wrong you know I thought out of the mouth of a guy who doesn't like God I mean that's pretty insightful you know so so but I use that as a way of encouragement to say don't always feel like you have the right answer you have to have that full fully fleshed out thought or idea but you can say here's what Jesus has done for me and this is why I'm different and people can't argue with that which leads me to the, our, our final thought here in wrapping up the first hour <laughs> he's really not funny all okay, right so um <laughs> Is As I, I'm reminded of the situation, so it doesn't say he was upset, but just for a moment, there had to be a, a, a moment in that guy's life when he says, okay, I can't come with you. I want you now to go over here. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. But like, this is not where I expected to go. I mean, I, I thought I could go with you, okay, but it's, it's not where I planned. I'm reminded of a, uh, a friend of mine. This, uh, this guy's name is Adam Kramer. And he is, he's born and raised in New York City, Upper West Side of Manhattan. And he's strong Christian family. Um, in fact, his home church, and he's a believer himself. His home church is Redeemer Presbyterian. So, if you know who that is, his head pastor for years was Tim Keller. So, it's like not too shabby. And and so, what was put on Adam's heart, his desire for for many many years, certainly by the time he got to high school, was he wanted to go and serve our country at at a at a military academy, particularly he wanted to go to West Point. So he found out all the stuff you have to do to get accepted to West Point, which, just a quick reminder, it's one of the most difficult schools to get into, any of the service academies. It's right up there with, with the Ivies. It's up there with, with Stanford. I mean, it's just super hard. And so he went to a high school. In fact, he chose a high school that had a junior ROTC program. That's, uh, that's him in his junior ROTC uniform, actually marching in a parade, I think, right down Broadway. And so he did all the stuff you're supposed to. He got good grades and test scores and extracurriculars and recommendations, all that kind of stuff. And that's hard enough for regular college, but that's 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 just starting point for going to to a military academy for West Point. You then have to go and get numerous medical exams, dental exams, answer hundreds of questions, physical, you know, mental, everything. Things from like, what kind of al- allergies do you have? To do you ever walk in your sleep? I mean, just just the. And a complete background check that there's no stone unturned on this. So that's hard enough. Then the final kicker is you have to get, you must get a recommendation from one of three people on the planet. If you don't get it, it's not going to happen. And those three people are either one of your two senators from your state uh, serving in in, in the Senate or the House, your congressperson from your district in the House of Representatives. You have to get one from, from the three of them. And even to get that recommendation is so hard because you have to now go apply against hundreds and hundreds of other people vying for that exact thing. And here's what they do. If you're, they basically take the top 10, you're put in the top 10 list, and then they rank them. Okay, so one to 10. And so the, the, if you're not basically one or two on that list, Buh and bye. Like it's not going to happen. So, so just to let you know, all that's going on, years and years, been praying about it. It's on his heart. He wants to do it. And then I'll never forget, February of 2018, my good friend, his, his father, Dan Kramer, calls me up and says, Steve, with tears in his eyes, you're not going to believe it, Adam got into West Point. And we're like, oh, my gosh. And we're like, praise the Lord. That is so cool. That's, that's the awesomest news ever. I can't believe it. That, that Dan, thank you. I want to celebrate with you. It's beautiful. And then fast forward now then to... To believe it was July second of last year uh, that 's called our day for for its, it's reception day and unlike if you 've ever sent a kid off to college or, or how it is kind of modern day if you 're going to do it this fall just to prepare you. Unlike the current versions, there was like a couple of days of orientation and all these sessions and what about this? And they have to have the jaws of life separate the parents from the child. You know, it's just like, you know, I even heard, by the way, University of, of Vermont had to hire bouncers to actually, when, when it finally came time to say, you know, students only they had to block the door to not let the parents in. Like, it's just, it's kind of a crazy thing. Well, here's how it goes at West Point. You show up in the morning after you kind of register and you go to a very brief service, a very brief, you know, reception in the auditorium, and then they say, you now have 60 seconds to say goodbye to your child. Go. And, and by the way, we mean it. <laughs> and they do. It's like, you know, boop, it goes off. And then they go running off, and they begin all their, they get their haircuts, all this kind of stuff. They learn how to march. All these things happen. And, and Dan and Margaret are crying. His parents, just, they're, just what a wonderful thing. They sent him off, just glorious and happy. And then they're completely shocked, blown away. And just a few hours later, they got a phone call from Adam saying, Mom and Dad, come pick me up. They're sending me home. I'm getting kicked out. Like, what? They thought, you haven't been there long enough to do. What did you possibly do? I mean, what could have happened? It, was, it turns out, I want to give all the details, but... Before they went and did all the haircuts and all that kind of stuff and the marching, the first thing they did was, uh, was relook at all the paperwork and check out everything. There was basically a discrepancy between one of the reports about Adam and then the, the current finding, and it just didn't match up. So Adam had to sit aside while all his classmates are going off and doing their thing, and he's feverishly trying to help figure it out and call this doctor and do this and work it out. They finally get it taken care of, but by that time, his class had already kind of gone too far. It was still the same day, but they said, sorry, Adam, even though, even though you're right, what happened, you're, you're legit, you could come in, But in the 200 plus year history of this institution, we've never had a a future get at join us class in progress. Either you go out with them as a group or you don't go out at all. So, thanks for playing. So, they're driving home. It's like, I can't, I mean, to this day, I'm like, I can't believe it, how this this occurred. and and this this the this, the disillusionment and the dis the disruption the upset I mean I, I can't imagine what he'd been feeling because let's look at Adam's life he already said no to every other college he already said no to, he had to say yes or no to the other places he got into by May first so that's already gone no 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 job to speak of he has nothing on his prospects all his friends are getting ready to go off to school and so he's just kind of left there empty-handed and how about you guys I would be uh, I'd be punching holes in wall. There'd be plaster holes all over my house. I would take every army thing off my wall. I'd be so ticked off. Like, I, I did nothing wrong, and, and, and you, I got ripped off. My dream taken away. you got to be kidding me. And then Dan told me they want to give him a couple days just to process and think this through, because that, that's a big deal. You know, that, that's pretty scary uh, what he had to go through. And so Dan sat his son down to Adam and said, hey, Adam, just, you know, it's been a few days now. Come up on a week. What, you know, what are you thinking? And Adam said, you know, Dan, I don't know what God is protecting me from or protecting me for, but he does not want me at West Point this year. Can you imagine? I don't know what God is protecting me for, protecting me from, but he does not want me at West Point. And so I got to tell you, I've, I have a few more decades on the planet than, than him as an 18-year-old, I'd say, kid, but an 18-year-old man. I, I, can't, I can't even imagine at that age saying having that. And he, he wasn't just, it wasn't just kind of a, a Pollyanna chant. He really meant it, you know. And he says, you know, I, I'll, I'll figure something out. You know, God will happen. And it made me think of how many of us even here today, maybe right now or maybe you just came out of one or you're about to enter into one, you're in a place you didn't expect. You're, you're in a, a land, a, a situation, a relationship, uh, whatever's going on, you did not plan for it. This was not on your agenda. This was not something you would have signed up for. But This is where it is. This, this is what you have. And you're, we're kind, you're kind of like Adam, you're kind of like that guy just for a moment of, wait, I can't go with you and I have to do this? What? Actually, it reminded me of, um, it's in those moments, it's so hard to see, okay, is God even here? Does he even listen? I've been praying all the time. This thing never goes away. I can't believe it. This thing is killing me. What's happening? But it reminds me actually of, a lot of you all know that I, I do improv comedy on the side. Maybe you don't, but I do for Comedy Sports St. Louis. Thank you very much. Woohoo! Comedy Sports, got to love it. And And we do this thing before every performance, which is just, I find so freeing and so empowering in that. Before every performance, all the players will get together kind of on the off stage and we'll we'll go up and we'll go up and we'll p- tap each other on the back and say, I got your back. I got your back. I got your back. I got your back. And 'll are the same to you. I got your back. I got your back. I got your back. And what we mean by that is no matter what happens in a scene, no matter what's going on, if someone completely messes up or screws up or they say something wrong or they mess up whatever's going on, I'm not gonna leave them, I'm not gonna let them hang out to dry. I'm I'm in it with them. I'm gonna come along, I'm gonna help rescue them from whatever happened. And same thing. If I screw up, if I mess up, if I, if I went from suddenly it was a shopkeeper and, a, and, a, and a, a, a visitor to their store, and suddenly I think it's mother and father, you know, or what? I just, I mess it up, That they're not gonna hang me out to dry either. They got my back. And I can tell you, the freedom that provides us on stage is unbelievable. I know that getting up there, nothing can happen, it's gonna work out. And I think it's amazing to, to, to consider it. You might be in that place, that unexpected place you didn't ask for. And, and whether it's a diagnosis or it's whatever, whatever's been thrown your way that you didn't ask for, just know that, that, that if we believe in Jesus Christ, and as, as 8, Romans 8.28 says, you know, all things work for the good for those who love them. But the key part is for those who love them. Not just anybody's for those who love them. And I gotta tell you, we all, sometimes we don't ever get a chance to see how that played itself out on this side of heaven. We don't always get that hindsight, oh cool, that's why that happened. You know, sometimes that just doesn't happen to us. But we do know that God is faithful and true. And the, 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 just to wrap, put a button on the story, what's, what's amazing is Adam did reapply to West Point, And there's a picture of him. And he reported on July 1st of this year for our day to be a part of the class of 2023. What's so cool is Adam's there in the middle. And you can see he's got kind of this little bit of a, a wry smile on his face. And I, I think he's smiling for two reasons. He's smiling because he just saw his parents in the, in the stands and they were trying to get his attention. Hey, Adam, you know. So he, kind of, he just saw him he's kind of smiling. But I also think he's smiling because he knows he has a God, he has a Savior who has his back. Yesterday, last year, today, and forever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are so good and so amazing and your ways are above our ways and 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 oftentimes it's not clear why we're in a certain place or why a certain avenue is shut down. Lord, but but I pray for everyone in here this morning as we think about what happened here with this demon-possessed man, that we as we examine our lives and look at the pig farms in our lives that are kind of crowding you out, or we're looking past the miracle of what you provide, even in small little ways, and we're focused on the things that don't really matter, the things that are fleeting, that will, that will just disappear and vaporize eventually. Lord, I pray that as we think about you and you have our back no matter what even when we can't see it father we know that you are there you're working and just like you we said in our call to worship that you're there to comfort us in in times of trouble and father I pray that even if if we're not feeling it this morning lord you help even pray us help our unbelief help us where we where we're falling short help us to see that you do have our our best in mind and that you love us beyond all things and we ask this in jesus name amen